0: Chapter 29 of A History of Astronomy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maria James. A History of Astronomy by Walter W. Bryant. Chapter 29 Double Stars. Sir William Herschel's search for parallax resulted, as we have seen, in opening the field of double star astronomy and providing evidence to prove the extension of newton's laws beyond the solar system the field once opened was penetrated by sir john herschel and his friend south and systematically explored by f g w struve whose fame stands very high in double star astronomy his Dorpat work was carried on after his departure by maidler and that at pulkova by his son otto struve, whose double stars, though less than one quarter as numerous as the 2,640 pairs ultimately catalogued by his father, include many difficult and interesting objects, one of which, Equili, has lately been proved to revolve more rapidly than any other acknowledged telescopic binary. In this case, as in some others, his discovery took the form of resolving one component of a previously recognized pair, thus forming a triple system. He was in the habit of applying to all his observations corrections of the nature of personal equation, depending on the separation and inclination to the vertical of the components observed, having experimented with artificial double stars in order to construct a table of corrections. This cautious principle seems to have been applied in his case with only partial success. Meanwhile in England, after sir j herschel's departure to the cape double star observers were not wanting the best known being the eagle-eyed w r dawes and william smythe in addition to searching for new pairs old pairs were re-measured for the determination or improvement of their orbits and to this branch baron Dombowski of milan devoted more than a quarter of a century while many names well known in other branches of astronomy will be found in the lists of those who have paid more or less attention to the measurement of double stars, as Bessel and Schiaparelli. About 1870, even Dawes thought that the field of double star discovery was nearly exhausted, though the gradual increase in optical power available seemed to hold out some promise of new ground to be broken. But the richness of the field still remaining was manifested without that aid, for in his spare time from 1871 to 1882, S. W. Burnham of Chicago, with a six-inch telescope, discovered hundreds of new double stars. His marvelous powers soon found opportunity for work with larger telescopes, such as the eighteen and a half inch at Dearborn. Then, from 1888 to 1892, he worked at the Lake Observatory frequently using the great 36-inch for his observations, and was afterwards attracted to the new Yerkes Observatory of the Chicago University by the possibilities of the 40-inch. One of the first publications of the Yerkes Observatory was a collection of all-known observations of Burnham's 1290 discoveries. The Lick telescope has not been idle, and with it W. J. Hussey and R. G. Aitken number their double-star discoveries by the hundred, as does G. W. Hugh of the Dearborn Observatory. T. J. J. C. at Flagstaff and R. T. A. Innes at the Cape met with similar success in southern fields, the latter having published a reference catalog of southern double-stars. One of the most important double-star publications of the Lick Observatory, issued in 1901, was a complete catalogue and discussion of all the known observations of the pairs of otto Struve. The system at Greenwich Observatory does not lend itself to the search for new pairs, but the much-needed re-observation of known pairs has been regularly prosecuted there since 1893, and more especially since the mounting of the 28-inch equatorial a year or two later, under the charge of T. Lewis, who, in addition to taking most of the observations for the first few years, and an important share afterwards which still continues has devoted himself for several years to the preparation of a full discussion of all the observations of struve's two thousand six hundred forty pairs a great work which was published last year as a memoir by the royal astronomical society in this, as also in the Lick and Yerkes publications, much space is devoted to graphic determinations of the apparent orbits of stars which have been sufficiently observed to warrant it. And many interesting facts emerge from the discussion, one of which is to refute the old hypothesis that brightness and mass necessarily go together, for in many cases the mass of the fainter of two mutually revolving stars exceeds that of the brighter to a very marked extent, and even when this is not actually the case, the ratio of masses is out of all proportion with that of brightness. For instance, Burnham's close pair, 85 pegasi, has a light ratio of 40 to 1 and a mass ratio of 1 to 6, while Procyon's companion, giving only 1 24 thousandth of the light, is one-fifth of the mass of its primary the companion of Sirius showing a similar disproportion. These last two stars, Sirius and Procyon, the two dog-stars, are remarkable instances of fulfillment of prediction based on the application of the Newtonian laws to the distant regions of the universe, for Bessel, who died too soon to see the fulfillment of his prophecy in regard to Neptune, also attributed the observed orbital motion of Sirius and Procyon to invisible companions. Six years after his death, Dr. Peters deduced, for the hypothetical companion of Sirius, an orbit with a period of about 50 years, and in 1862, Alvin G. Clarke, while testing an 18-inch objective in his father's workshop at Cambridgeport by setting it on Sirius, detected a faint star in the exact place computed by Professor Safford from Peters's theory hours immediately upon this computed a period of forty years for the hypothetical companion of procyon which was not discovered until eighteen ninety six when professor schaeberle caught sight of it with the great lick telescope struve calculated that between two and three per cent of the stars down to the ninth magnitude are not single or five per cent of the brighter ones but later researches in this and other directions tend to show that the proportion is very much greater though much of the evidence for this is spectroscopic and will be referred to in its own place struve also paid particular attention to color and although in some cases difference of color seems to vary with the closeness of a pair in its orbit, in which case it can be attributed to an optical effect, yet in general it probably indicates different stages of development, and is a safer guide to difference in mass than the broken reed afforded by difference in brightness. Asaph Hall, the discoverer of Deimos and Phobos, also observed double stars with the Great Washington Telescope as also did Barnard at the Lick and Yerkes observatories. But a list of prominent observers would be too long for a work of this kind. Not so long is the list of those who have done much work in computing orbits, including, in addition to those concerned in the recent discussions of Truve, Otto Struve, and Burnham stars, such double-star observers as Glazenop of Russia, Doberg of Hong Kong, and TJJC, Whose book on stellar systems, published in eighteen ninety five, endeavors to trace the evolution of double stars on tidal principles analogous to those often postulated for the solar system. One pregnant suggestion made by Lewis in the great Struve memoir has a direct bearing on probable stellar distribution. He says the proportion of stars showing relative motion is in all probability much the same everywhere in space. So that, if in any particular direction this does not seem to hold, the inference is not a change in the proportion, but an increase in the average distance in that direction, which prevents the detection of the proper number of relative motions, the limit of the resolving power of the telescope, being directly dependent on the distance. Lewis infers that the earth is not in the center of the visible universe. Another feature brought out clearly in the Stulva memoir is the necessity, recognized long ago by Stulva himself, of accurate observations with meridian instruments. The appeal to the Greenwich Transit Circle observations in the case of such a star as Psi Hercules brought evidence of the greatest value to the discussion of a system of more than two bodies, for which it was of importance to know the order of the masses to which relative motions gave no clue. We need not consider multiple systems separately. An increasing number of so-called binaries are really multiple systems, as we have already noted in the case of delta equali, and to this case, epsilon hydra, psi hercules, and many others belong, so much so that it is quite a usual artifice to account for apparently irregular orbital motions. By the hypothesis of a close or faint companion to one or other of the components. The test of the common, proper motion, applied to confirm or disprove the physical connection of a pair of stars, will not discriminate between what are usually understood by binary or multiple systems, and what Proctor called star drift, except in cases where the proper motion is large, as, for example, 61 Cygni, which, though recognized as a double by Bradley, showed relative motion so little curved that even Burnham pronounced against the existence of physical connection. The evidence collected by Lewis in the Struve memoir seems conclusive, however, as to the actuality of the connection, though quite inadequate in a century and a half to determine the orbit. There is another class of binary stars in general quite distinct from so-called visual binaries. The astronomy of the invisible, whose study was commenced by Bessel, and to which we have already referred in connection with Sirius and other stars, is not the only direction in which the existence of bodies not actually seen can be inferred. The vast extension of the field of physical research made possible by the spectroscope which we have already noted in connection with stellar motions and distances, again becomes prominent. There was no reason to suppose that Xi Pegasi, whose period of about eleven years until Hussey's recent research into the orbit of Delta Equulei, was long considered the shortest of any known binary, really represented the lowest limit in the universe. Twin suns, so far as any evidence could possibly be adduced, might revolve much closer together than any system that could be separated in even the largest telescope, and as a case in point, the demon star of the Arabs, Algol, was regarded as an eclipsing binary, and its period of less than three days indicated a proximity out of all proportion with those of stars whose revolutions are measured in years. Confirmation of the theory of Algol was forthcoming as soon as the line-of-sight velocity was investigated by Professor Vogel, showing motion alternately towards and from the observer, in a single bright body, periodically dimmed but otherwise unaltered in quality of light, proving that the revolution of two bodies, one dark— suggested by Goodrich in 1783, did actually take place so nearly in the plane passing through the earth that the bright body suffered partial eclipse at each revolution. This evidence, produced in 1889, was not the first example of a star being proved double by the spectroscope. Dr. Henry Draper, whose work in solar spectroscopy has already been noted, commenced a spectroscopic investigation of stars, cut short by his death in 1882. But in 1886, the Draper Memorial work was commenced at Harvard College Observatory under Professor Pickering, with instruments and funds provided by Mrs. Draper, and its first publication, which appeared in 1890, took the form of a catalogue of the spectra of the brighter stars in the Northern Hemisphere. The second Draper catalogue was to contain the spectra of thirty thousand stars in both hemispheres, the instrument used at Harvard having been sent to Arequipa in 1889 to secure uniformity of results. The work of measurement and discussion was in the hands of a staff of ladies under Mrs. Fleming, and it was found on comparing several spectrograms of the brighter component of Mizar. Ursa Majoris, the middle star in the tail of the great bear, or the horse on which the wagoner rides in charge of Charles's Wayne, that two of them, taken in 1887 and 1889, showed the K-line double. Professor Pickering announced this discovery, indicating his conclusion that the evidence pointed to the star being double he entrusted miss antonia c maury a niece of dr draper with the examination of seventy spectrograms which showed that the other lines in the spectrum were also affected it seemed then that two nearly equal bodies mutually revolved in a plane not greatly inclined to the line of sight and that the doubling of the lines must indicate velocities in opposite directions in the line of sight while the single-line spectrograms would correspond to times when the motions, though still, of course, in opposite directions, were practically across the line of sight, betraying no measurable radial velocity. This was the first discovered spectroscopic binary, though the principle employed had been suggested for investigation, though not for discovery, by Fox Talbot in 1871. Miss Mori worked out an apparent period of fifty-two days between successive widenings, indicating a period of revolution of one hundred-four days, but this has been reduced by Vogel in nineteen-oh-one to rather under twenty-one days, the uncertainty being due to an orbit far from circular. Footnote: Curiously enough, Mizar was also the first recognized visual double star, having been noted at Bologna by Riccoli in 1650, and also the first photographed as such by G. P. Bond in 1857. Moreover, there is every probability that Mizar with Alcor was the first, as it is certainly the best-known naked-eye double star, the names having been given by the Arabs. In 1889, Miss Maury detected a four-day period in Beta-Origae, which thus ranks as the second discovery of the new class. It has been computed by Huggins that this binary could not have been discovered visually, as to separate the components would require a telescope of 80 feet aperture. In 1890 Vogel added another, Spica, to the list, but in this case the duplicity was betrayed, not by the doubling of the lines, for the companion appears to be dark, or too faint to show a spectrum but by their oscillation, denoting motion alternately towards and from the Earth. Both components of Castor appear to be spectroscopic binaries, the fainter one announced by Bela Polsky of Pulkova in 1896, the other recently by H. D. Curtis of Lick Observatory. In 1899, Capella, almost the brightest star in the Northern Hemisphere, was simultaneously announced by W. W. Campbell, of the Lick Observatory and H. F. Newell at Cambridge to be a spectroscopic binary with a period of 104 days. The components appeared to be probably not very unequal in brightness, and, the parallax being known to be sensible, it was computed that the apparent angular distance might be not much less than a tenth of a second of arc, so there seemed a possibility that the star might prove to be a connecting link between visual and spectroscopic binaries and it was carefully scrutinized with some of the most powerful telescopes the lick telescope betrayed nothing the image appearing quite round at all times but the greenwich 28-inch having its object glass adjusted for a different part of the spectrum yielded a more promising result And though many of the observations published are probably worthless and may be ascribed to optical or psychological causes and to want of experience in judging of the suitability of observing conditions for what was practically a unique observation, yet there is little doubt that a certain proportion of the observations can be regarded as genuine. The mean resulting period from several revolutions in successive years comes out persistently between 103 and 104 days, the spectroscopic determination being exactly 104 days, and the discordance seems to suggest a motion of the Apts line of the orbit of capella, of which the spectroscopic observations would take no cognizance. No other instance is yet known of a spectroscopic binary affording much chance of visual confirmation, a period of about three years in beta capricorni for instance is a promising sign the number of recognized stars of the new class is steadily increasing as the determination of velocities in the line of sight reveals more and more instances in which that velocity is variable indicating orbital motion by the end of 1904 the number had reached 140 most of them being of the same character as spica the second star in point of brightness being dark or very faint. These 140 stars, with four others discovered after January 1, 1905, are given in the first catalogue of spectroscopic binaries issued by the Lick Observatory in 1905. When we bear in mind that the probably large number of binaries whose motion is nearly at right angles to the line of sight cannot be detected by this method, it is not difficult to see How far from rare is the occurrence of physical pairs! End of chapter 29